You're listening to the Junction Church Aberdeen Podcast. Welcome to this week's message. We pray it inspires and blesses you today. Can we pray briefly? Good. Father, we thank you for this awesome time together. It's our prayer, Lord, this morning that you will minister to us and speak to our hearts and our spirits. Lord, I pray that as we open the Bible, let the Bible be open to us. Let your spirit come fresh and sound and new in our soul and in our hearts. Mend every broken heart. We cast anxiety and affliction out of the room. We declare your love and your presence in this place right now. Let every heart be spoken to and let every man be blessed according to that which they desire in their heart. Lord, I pray this morning that you will teach us to know your ways and to know your truth. And much more than that, encourage us to walk in it. Amen. In Jesus' name. Great. Quick question. Um, Do you believe the Bible? It's, 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 an, it's, it's not a good question to ask in a Christian <laughs> conference, but I need to ask that again. Do you believe everything yeah. in here? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. All right. I'm going to shock you in a minute. Matthew chapter 19 will be where I'm probably going to start. Jesus happens to be an object teacher when he intends to teach. He teaches with stories and he tends to, just to help you understand it, he's very, he's a storyteller. That's what I would say. There's a lot of things when Jesus is teaching, he tends to tell stories just to be able to help the audience to get to what he was saying. And there happens to be this chap who had desired so much to work with the Lord and he came to Jesus and was like, I really want to, I want to be part of what is going on. And Jesus said to him, that's not a problem. If you can sell all that you have and come and follow me. And he was, he was, the Bible says he was disappointed because he had a lot of things. It was difficult for him to make that decision. Then Jesus made a profound statement, which will form the basis of what we're about to talk about this morning. I sense, and the reason why I'm probably going to start like that is because I was just saying to you right now that while I was coming down here, I sense the Lord saying he's going to give people birthday gifts in church. And for us to be able to achieve that, we need a lot of faith in the room to be able to launch into what God is doing. Because actually 90% of the job of the preacher is done if the people have faith. Or 99% to be honest. Jesus said he couldn't do so much miracle because there was no faith in a particular city where he came to. So what I normally do as a preacher is to get as much faith as I can in the room. When that happens and people begin to look upon the Lord and not the preacher, we can raise the dead. I'm telling you, we we can do all kinds of stuff. So Jesus was trying to launch the disciples into believing something very profound in the Bible. And he said to, he said to the disciples, he said to the, to, to the disciples, he said, because when the guy walked away in Matthew 19, 
he said to them that for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God is going to be very difficult. And they were like, all right. He said, it is going to be like a camel passing through the eye of a needle. So we're going to do a quick, a quick, a quick practical class now. I want you to imagine a camel passing through the eye of a needle. <laughs> Just close your eyes and imagine it. I don't, you can, your, your own camel can be as big as, just regardless of the size, just imagine that in two seconds. It's a, it's a practical teach now. Just imagine a camel passing through the eye of a, of a needle. Imagination stopped. Okay. How is that? Is that possible? Can you, was it, was it, was it possible in your mind? No. The same thing was the reaction of the disciples. They were like, no way. This is difficult. They now say, that means no one is going to be able to come into the kingdom. But that was not what Jesus was aiming at achieving. Like I said, he's an object teacher. He teaches with stories. Then he said to them that with man, it is not possible, but with God. And that is the point I want to ask again. Do you believe the Bible? He says that with God, all things are possible. There are three key things in that scripture that is very important that we sort of dissect because it's, it's a normal anthem among Christians. We say, with God, all things are possible. But it's actually way deeper than that. So the three things we will look at briefly is with God, all and possible. What does it mean to be with God? As a believer, do you believe God for real? Do you believe God? If you introduce God in any equation, it changes everything. Yeah. Because in the government of God in heaven, one with God is majority. Yeah. The kind of democracy that God runs, if one person with God, it's you win the elections. <laughs> yes, that's the way he runs it. One with God is you are all done. Then Jesus was trying to let the disciples know the, the density of the possibilities of God. He says, with God, with God, in the equation, when God comes in, you can go to sleep. It's, it's dangerous and risky to run your life without God. Because you will be living in the island of impossibilities. With God. And oh, that was in Genesis chapter 2, in the creation of man, when God was creating um, the process of creation after he had finished creating, there's a particular verse in the Bible that is always for married, marriage. It's a, it's a marriage verse in the Bible. But I, I understand it a little bit more. Maybe because I'm not married yet, it makes so I'm, I'm, I don't look at it as a married scripture. When, Jesus, when God had finished creating man and he was probably just hanging around and was like, wow, this is amazing. And then he found man, and in this context of my teaching, it's not man, like the male gender now. He found man, and he made a very interesting statement. He said, I think there's a flaw in my design. 
because it is not good for a man to be alone. It is not good for a man to be alone. In, in a battle, it's not good to be alone in this world. Right? I'm just trying to introduce you to the equation of having God with you in all that you do. He says it is not good for a man to be alone. In, in everything you do, it's not good to be alone. God is our advantage as Christians. Romans chapter 3 from verse 1, the Bible says, What advantage does the believer have over the unbeliever? I think it's an NIV. It says, What? Can you project that? Romans 3 1, quickly. It says, What advantage does the believer have over the unbeliever? For some translation, it says, What advantage does the Gentile has, or does the Jew have over the Gentiles? Yes. It says, What advantage then is it there in being a Jew? Or what value is, is there in circumcision? What does it, what is the advantage of being, of coming to church? What makes you different from the guy outside there? And then he answered the question in verse 2. Let's go. He says, much in every way. In Nigeria, we say, e plenty. It is too much. In every way. There is, he says, the advantage we have as Christians is too much. But he says, first of all, meaning among the islands of advantages and possibilities of advantages, first of all, to them, they have been entrusted. There's a translation that says the hidden oracles of God. So your advantage is God. But can you say with me, God is my advantage. Say that to your neighbor. God is your advantage. Preach again to one more person. Say, God is your advantage. Yes. So just in case you think, because I have always believed that my advantage wouldn't be in my degrees or where I come from or whatever. No, it's not. God is our advantage. Because there's a common saying that this life is not balanced. And it's true. Because sometimes the Bible says, it said, there's a lot of scriptures just is rushing like wind in my mind. But then, do you remember that scripture that talked about how that he saw servants riding on, on horses and kings were walking on foot? And so it's, it's not a balanced realm. So if you must advance in the journey, you need God. But Jesus was saying to them that with God in the equation, all things, and the word all means everything, regardless of whatsoever. All things are possible when God is involved in the equation. When God is involved, all things are possible. Do you believe that statement? And if you believe that, it means that there's no problem too much for God to solve. It means that there's nothing you came to church with today, regardless of how mind-blowing that is, that God cannot meet. So we will run another practical session. We had imagined a camel passing through the eye of a needle. So I want you to imagine quickly your problem, the biggest of the issues you are really wondering, how do I get this sorted? Just, just think about that in one minute. And see God in the equation. And then you realize that it's a done deal. 
Yes, it's a done deal. Because when, when, when Jesus, in Romans chapter, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, he talked about faith. And what faith is all about. He said that faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's a bit confusing because everything I know about evidence means that it needs to be seen. But then there's something called the evidence not seen. That's, that's a wrong way to use the word evidence. <laughs> because, yeah, if it's not seen, then what, what then? It is not an evidence. <laughs> yes, but the Christian journey is a journey of faith. Yes. If you have all the answers to your spiritual journey, then you don't need God anymore. That's why we follow him by faith, day by day, so that he provides us with understanding of what next to do per time. We were, we run, um, we're running a youth alpha series at the moment in my church with young people. And I think we did, well, we're currently now in the third series, I think. Um, so we're doing the second series where we talked about Jesus and who Jesus is and all of that. If you know the alpha course very well, you will probably understand that. And one of the... When we finished and it was time for people to chat and ask questions, one of the girls said to me, Sochi, I've got a question, please. I was like, yeah, sure, crack on. And she said, uh, my question is, how, 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 do, how do we know that all of these stories about Jesus and everything about him, how do we know that it's not make-believe? It's not all like cooked-up stories and all of that. So while she was still processing that question, all of my, I was read, already deploying my theological arsenal to <laughs> respond to that question because, I mean, that's what I've spent so much time in school studying. And finally, it was time for me to show myself. <laughs> you know? I said, you know, crack on, ask the question. And, you know, when she had finished asking that question, I was about to speak. Then one, one of my team members said, Sochi, can I... Can I jump in quickly before you conclude it? I said, yeah, sure, go for it. And she said, Meg, the, prop, the girl is Megan. She said, not you, Megan. <laughs> um, he says, Meg, the, the, the problem is not the problem of whether God ever existed or not. In fact, if you go to Israel or Jerusalem, they will probably take you to where Jesus had his bath and where he had his shower, where Jesus had lived, where he went to do all kinds of stuff. You know, there are, there are proofs of all of that littered across Israel. But she now said, I also need you to understand that the Christian journey is the journey of faith. We don't have answers to everything, but we believe. You know, that is what salvation is all about. When, we, when it's time to pray the salvation prayer now, and I say to everyone, all right, let's pray. There's a Lord Jesus coming into my heart. As simple as that prayer is, is a transition into something massive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like opening you up into a new reality in God, exceptionally amazing in God. And when uh, Tiff, my, my teammate, has answered that question, I suddenly remembered the... I was like, wow. Then I remembered the definition of faith that I had received in, in my Sunday school classes those days. The most profound definition of faith. Trust me, if you hear it, it will blow your mind. Those days, I think probably when I was 14, my Sunday school teachers had said to us that faith is 
acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, just because God said so. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? And the same way you responded is the same way we responded without understanding what it meant. (laughs) We just were like, wow. I could remember so much well that time we had pleaded with him to, to keep on saying it so that we can sort of know it. And my plan was to get to school the next day and dazzle all my friends with my ability to rhyme words together. (laughs) Aspire to, aspire to, maguire to, despire to, all this kind of thing. And I never had understanding of what that meant until after probably so many years. Then I, I know you want me to say that again. I will do it again. But you have to pay now. 50 pounds per soul. <laughs> it's about four souls. So, so, so. 50 pounds per soul. And, um, yeah, one of the days, probably when I had become, in my, yeah, when I had sort of grown up in my work with the Lord, and I started, I remember that definition one day. It says, faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so. There's an English word for that. It's called foolishness. Yes, and that is actually what we are called to become as Christians. Trust me, we are all foolish people. In the eyes of the world, Jesus said, yes, because some, sometimes you, you wake up and say the Lord is calling you into something you don't even know about, and people will have to question you like, what in the world are you talking about? It's a journey of faith. Yes, it is. My current ministry location is a place of faith. All right? Till tomorrow, they are all asking me, what made you leave Aberdeen to come here? I think a couple of people in church had visited, you know, once I pick you up from the city center, probably from the train station, and we are driving into Oakley, it's a proper village. Like, proper village. Um, when I went there for my interview and I said to them I wanted to probably have hot chocolate or something and they said oh yeah 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 we only have one coffee shop in this place I said what? (laughs) One coffee shop? And the coffee shop closes at four means that once it's past four you can't have anything. (laughs) You live by faith. (laughs) You know um, yes but when, when God begins to lead you it's actually trusting the faith journey and believing that God, the possibilities of God, God can be trusted. That's the way to put it, right? God can be trusted. And it's, it's all about faith in God. You know, I've not started my teaching yet, just in case you are looking at time. I'm just trying to lay foundation. It's an introduction into what we are about to talk about, all right? It's, I'm just launching into, I've not even opened my iPad yet, so, so whoever is in charge of the time, I've not started, all right? Please. But which I'm just trying to build the faith in the room so that you can look up to God and not unto any man. That's only when we can be able to do business with God effectively, if we have enough faith, you know. But another amazing thing about this whole faith thing is that when we talk about faith and how much faith you need to have in order to do extraordinary things for God, 
the disciples of Jesus, I believe, was also very confused about how much faith do we need. So one of those times, this guy had brought his son to the disciples who was oppressed of the devil. And according to the report the man gave to Jesus, he said that the son exhibits a lot of violent character. Sometimes the spirit sort of leads him into the fire, into the water, and all sort of thing. It was quite chaotic. But the, the disciples of Jesus couldn't do anything about that after so much prayers. I, 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 my, I think maybe they have spent hours casting out demons, which was part of we, those days when I was still very new in faith. I remember one time we had this girl who was, you know, whatever she was into, I don't know, but because they felt that we were men of God, so we were invited to cast out the devil. And we had zero authority, me and my friends. So we were just, we spent hours. Oh my days, I can't even, I know it was like four. We would just say, come out in the name of Jesus. She's just there looking at us. <laughs> then I realized that possibilities in God are domiciled in, in levels. As you grow in him, you have more authority. Yes. So the, the, the conversation was, the disciples couldn't do that. Then this, then this man came to Jesus and said, I brought, I brought this my son to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. Jesus said, oh, faithless generation. I could imagine how the disciples would say, oh, he has started talking about this faith thing again. Is it again? And then Jesus made a profound statement of how much faith you need in order for you to change your situation. Guess what he said? It's not as big as you think <laughs> at all. He said that if your faith is as little as the mustard seed, that's how much you need in order to command the hand of God in your life. Just trust him. Believe God and believe in his possibilities. You know, as believers, sometimes we... We are Christians, but we don't really believe in what we say and pray about. We pray and then we have plan B. You have not prayed. Because if you really pray, there's no plan B without God. Yes. At least that's how I live my life. If I pray over something, trusting that the Lord is going to do it, I believe that he's going to do it. With all of my heart. I know he would do it. He said that if your faith is as little as the mustard seed. What you will command, he said, you can say to this mountain, the most unimaginable as the case may be, he says, you can say to this to move and it's going to move. Yes. But we will, we'll pray in a minute that the Lord is going to increase our faith. Not in terms of volume, but just to give him space. Because what I've realized as well is that when you give God half a chance, he's going to possess you. That scripture I just quoted on this issue of faith is helping me in my youth ministry journey. Because, you know, when you run youth ministry, run a youth church and pack, you know, kids and everywhere is busy, exciting. Some of their, some of my kids are amazing. Probably we'll be worshiping and people are on their, on TikTok and Snapchat. And in my mind, that I'm just like very a frustrated youth pastor. I'm like, I'm investing so much and I'm not seeing 
by now, I, I've, I already expect them to start raising the dead or even <laughs> doing all kinds of magical miracles. <laughs> but they, are not, they are not growing or something. Probably, I think I've had this chat with Charles or something that I felt like I don't think I'm doing enough. You know, but then my eyes opened on this issue of faith that as, as little as they may seem that God is not speaking to them, that little ounce of faith, once it comes in, it's like cancer, it's like, it's like a pandemic. It will spread. Yes, it will. And that's how we grow in our work with God. When you give God half a, half a chance, he will possess you. He will take everything. It's not a threat, but it's true. If you give him space, he will. All he needs is an open heart. He said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Just open up. And he's going to have access into your life with, with, with everything in him. Are you with me? Yeah, good. So it is, it is that the, 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 the woman that had the issue of blood in the Bible is an, is an interesting one as well. For 12 years, she had labored on something that she just couldn't know how to factor the possibility of that. This is still trying to let us know that there's nothing God cannot do. But in her mind, she said, I think this Jesus guy is going to be very difficult to, con to connect with because of the crowd. You know, she said, I, I actually, I don't, need, I don't need him to speak to me or even pray for me. All I just need is to touch the hem of his garment. That's a powerful, that's, that's a powerful step of faith. Yes. Each time I think about that, I'm like, wow. Because we, you can make up your mind to say, Lord, this, this, this issue has been bothering me for years. I don't care if the preacher is going to mention my case or not. All I want to do is as I walk into that church, I want it to disappear. Yes. So your miracle starts even from the door before the worship wow. yes that Lord as, 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 as this happens to me I, I don't, I'm not having heavy expectations but I'm just trusting in you again he's talking about the mustard seed faith as little as it is it can command much but when the miracle happened and Jesus had you know, said to her your faith has made you whole he made another profound statement that sometimes it's very it's, uh, we say it all the time. He said to her, go in peace. That word, go in peace, I think I spent so many days just trying to understand what it means to go in peace. It's amazing. When the Prince of Peace says go in peace, it means you don't have any problem anymore. Yes. 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 And that is what the church is, to, is supposed to be like. When we come to church, we go back in peace. Yes. Believing that the storms are calm and that God has come into our lives and God has taken charge of our lives. It's, it's like, it's a possibility in God and in, 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 in trusting him and in trusting what he can do. So I want you to trust God in your heart. Just, just believe him. Believe him. Right? Believe him. Regardless of how big the situation is believe him believe that he can do it 
Because he will. Yes, he will. But before I start my teaching, well, well, the Bible says it was in Jude that the Bible talked about how faith can be developed. He said, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Yes. You ready to build some faith in the room yes. just now? Yes. Yeah. In one minute, can you just say a word of prayer and, and, and just, just, just build up your faith in prayers? Kepato fandili hista kari kathendi hasti paro fethadi histidos kimahaita fina helika pofretadi zikikos kepar fedina hai giro sefare kati ventelis kepo paranthedi karis de kapufendi la haita panto kepara kathi hesta kertosh Lord, we build up our faith this morning. And we believe that you will do it. You can do it. We know you can. We believe you can. And we trust the Father that you can. We roll away every unbelief in the room. And we ask that you have access to every heart. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready? It's amazing. I'm just starting. Good. Um, in the book of, um, I'm not going to mention anyone in particular, but if you read the book of Psalms, you will see a lot of times that the psalmist uses the word, Oh Lord my God, quite a lot of times. There are even hymns that, we sing with that sort of sentences. And many times I've asked myself, why the repetition of what is this, oh Lord my God thing? And I realized that it is, it is the God that you worship, but it is the Lord that you serve. Many, you know, for, for us Christians, Nothing makes, you, nothing makes us different from the Muslims or whatever religion, because everybody has a God. You're right, every religion has a God. But then there's a dimension to your work with the Lord that you come into the Lordship of Christ. And that's part, that's the Lordship of God over our lives is a part that many times is omitted. People miss it out. Because if, if Jesus actually is the Lord over your life, He's going to be the one to dictate every move you make. What it means to say, when we say the sinner's prayer, we say, be my Lord and my Savior. It means I come under your government and I submit myself to you. In, in fullness. So when the psalmist says, oh Lord my God, is acknowledging the, the, the path of the worship of God. But much more than that, the, the lordship of Christ over every man's life. And if God, if God is not lord over your life, there's a limit to what he can do. Yes. Because God cannot use a man that has not submitted to him. He cannot. So it's, it's a journey of submission. The, journey of the, the Christian journey is a journey of submission. I, I yield myself to you. I give myself to you. And I believe you can do it. I believe you can, 
you can take me through this situation. I trust you and I believe it. Because I've realized that in my little work with the Lord, most of the amazing things I've seen and even the downside of them all, when God says to you, you know, move here, don't do this, don't do that, it's, it's because of the Father I do, I do recognize the Lordship of Christ over my life and over everything I do. It is your understanding of the Lordship of Christ and your submission to that reality is what will install what we call the fear of the Lord. People don't fear God because they don't see him as their Lord. Because if he's your Lord, you will do everything to ensure that you please him. Yes, everything to please him, ensuring that because as my Lord, he needs to be happy with me. It's a governmental sort of system that God set up in order to, to, to ensure that the life of the believer is, is on cruise with him. So he brings us into that understanding of the lordship of his personality and then we submit ourselves willingly to him, willingly to him. And I, I'm saying this because it's, it's a very, it's, it's a missing link in the Christian faith. Yes, and that's why we see all kinds of things in faith mixed up because we're a compendium of people who some believe in, in, in some, some, some see God as their, as their God, while for many others is their Lord. Yes. And if, 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 if the Lord, if, if God is your Lord, that sounds like a theological statement. I love it. It sounds very good. If Lord is your God, hmm, you should write a thesis on that. But if actually God is your Lord, you will order your life according to what pleases him. Do you remember the guy called Saul who later became Paul on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians? And he encountered God. He, he has always known the God of the Jews. That has always been his, his, he is always obsessed with that. But the day he met Jesus, he says, who are you, Lord? That lordship of Christ came upon him and he realizes that, no, it's actually beyond the God factor. This is actually someone who needs to be served and obeyed and followed, you know, and, and sort of we need to model our lives according to him and the way that pleases him. And these are the things that usher us into that faith dimension of God. Believing and trusting him and knowing that he's got authority over our lives. The authority of God over our lives. I sense that there are there's some of us that, you know, God will want us to submit more to him. And the word is actually not submit more, but actually to submit. Because he needs to have all, not some. Yes, he needs to have all, not some. How much are you submitted to God? How much of God's government is ruling your life? How much can God say, do not do this? And you will say, yes. Can God say, I don't want you to be in that relationship? And you say, yes. 
You know, because many times we have our own way, which in most occasions is not his way. But God is going to bring us into that understanding of his lordship personality and we will be willing to yield ourselves to him, submit ourselves to that and obey the fact that God's calling for our lives is way beyond just to worship him. He also wants us to serve him. Yes, he, he, he loves service. He loves to be respected. He loves to be obeyed. He loves to be... He's our father, but then he's also our Lord. Part of the things that the disciples, after they had spent so much time, you know, being taught by the Lord, just like what we did with the Rosicis thing, and they were all ready for ministry. Everyone was looking forward to... I remember there was one of those times that Matthew and Luke, or Jerry Bart, had, had mentioned that they wanted to call down fire because they were obsessed with manifesting. They really wanted to crack on with ministry. So, yeah, they just can't wait. Then Jesus asked them to stay in Jerusalem until something comes upon them. Because even though they know it theologically, they need to be equipped practically to what they will meet on the field. And there happens to be an instrument or a personality that comes in to make that possible. And it's called the Holy Spirit. He says, do not, it's, it's risky to, to do this without the Holy Ghost. Then in Acts chapter 1 from verse 8, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. So it's going to be a transition into the Holy Ghost dimension to, for us to be able to become witnesses. I sense that one of the things God is raising in this generation is people of witness. He's raising men and women to represent him at, in every sphere of life. That is what is happening in Asbury at the moment, is witnessing. Because there's a lot of contention on whether is that revival or not, move of God. And I said to all of my pastor friends, I said, I'm not even worried if it is anything. But I'm excited that the word revival is trending, even for people who don't know what revival is all about. <laughs> it's trending, yeah. yeah. They say, Asbury revival, what is revival? I'm like, that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. That's the plan. Yes, because our, our role is to make Jesus popular. Yeah. And in my, in my opinion, this is my very personal theology, I believe that when we get to heaven, one of the first things that will be suspended is time. I, I just I feel so. And one of the things that characterizes revival is when time no more makes sense. Isn't it what's happening there? People showed up to worship for a few minutes and then in, it looks like it's endless. Because when eternity invades the room, when God invades in his personality, you will be, you will be lost. Five minutes, five hours will look like five minutes. That's revival. It takes you away from this reality and introduces you to something very supernaturally unique. It's our role and responsibility to make Jesus popular in our world, you know, in a world that is, you know, there's a lot going on at the moment. So our role is to make him popular, and we are committed to doing that. I normally um, 
there's, there's so much people that sort of, because, I, because I, I, I work with young people and young adults, I sometimes get, you know, responses from parents saying, I'm such a, my, you know, my, my daughter or my son is going through this mental health issue or anxiety or self-harm or whatever that case may be, you know, can you sort of come and help? I say, yeah, sure. But each time I, I go to talk with the kids or whatever, I normally say to them, it happens to be that I'm not a therapist or I'm not, I'm not a counselor. I only have one item that I sell, and I sell God. <laughs> yes, that's, I'm a marketer. I market God. So in this situation, I would refer, I do refer quite a lot, but if you want us to go a bit deeper, I can sell the Holy Ghost to you. Yes, market the Holy Ghost. If, if I was to be, with what I'm to be doing is to be an engineering course or whatever, it would have been installations. We, do, we install God in places, in cities, <laughs> in territories, in people's life. It, I, I run installations, like, it's my, I love it. That, that's what we are doing in, in Basingstoke. We're installing God in different quarters and in different lives and in different people. Because we are called to be mobile presence of God. We should enter into places and the atmosphere changes because we carry God. That's, that's, that's what it should be. And this is, not, this is not to hype you up. This is the truth. You know, it's, it's, it's God's presence dwelling in us and being able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can imagine. Yes. One man that God had, when, if God finds one man, he can, he can do magical things with that person. Just one person. I reckon that my, my Sunday school teachers obviously have, no, have zero idea of what, where I am at the moment and what God is probably doing with my life, but their investment paid off. Yes. And it will be similar for many of us in the room. You came to faith because someone invested. For many of us, it was our parents that prayed us into the Holy Ghost. You just couldn't escape it. You went to uni and you say you're not going to be part of this whole thing. Then the CU people come for you. <laughs> You're like, oh my, oh my days. What, why are you guys after my life? <laughs> no, they are not after your life. It's actually, it, there's a, a website has been activated on your head. You, you carry a signal. So wherever you enter, that prayer, that has, because prayers are, prayers are stored. Prayers are like reservations in the spirit when we make prayers. Yes. Do you know that you can, you can, as for the young people here, you, you, can, you can reserve for the next generation in the place of prayer. You can pray for your children's children, and they will come into an anointing that they have zero idea of how they ended up with that. Yes, but because a network has been activated over them, so you sort of, you can't resist it. Many of us, I particularly was a victim of those kind of networks. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just could not backslide. I just cannot. Anytime you try to join the world, the world will say you are not part of us. Yeah. You know, because, yes, investments has been made in the place of prayer. And we are called in turn to do the same for people. All right? 
because our world is dying. There's a lot of people need Jesus and they need to hear it. Yes, they need to see it. They need to feel it. They need to hear it with our lives because the greatest thing to preach with is actually your life. Yes, there's no better preacher than your life. It preaches loud and clear. Are you with me? If you're blessed, say amen. Yes. Brilliant. Just going to check. I have not even looked at my notes, but that does not mean that we have not started. We have started. <laughs> we have started. I was, I was invited to preach for one of my friends somewhere, and because I love preaching for long, long hours. We were trained to preach for three hours. If you, I'm, without Jesus help me. Jesus help me. <laughs> we were trained for that. So I said to him, I said, how... Um, how long do I how, how how long do I have? He said to me, "The thing is, you have all the time, but I'm just trying to let you know that once it's 11:30, nobody will be in the room." <laughs> I said, "Okay." I said, "So you have you have made your point loud and clear. So you have you can preach till tomorrow, but just know that once it's 11:30, you will be preaching to just to the wind." <laughs> Numbers chapter 11 from verse 29. Can we just have a look at that? The book of Numbers 11, 29. And I'm going to try and tidy up our teaching. Then we will spend some time to see what God will want to do. There was a prayer that Moses prayed, which will be the anchor scripture for what we will... Oh my God, I'm saying goats. Goats. It's not, no, I don't think that's a prayer. 1129. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say, what is God doing in my teaching today? <laughs> it's not part of my script. <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh-huh. There is a prayer I'm praying for this generation. I think that was the same prayer that Moses had prayed for the people. He said that he wishes that all of the lost children will become prophets. A generation of prophetic people would rise. And if you read further from the scripture, I'm trying to just compress the stories just to help with time. He had been saddled with the responsibility of counseling people and all of that. The list was endless. He just couldn't manage it. And he has raised, is that 70 elders to be able to do that? just to limit the workload and all that. Um, but he had, he had some discussion with Joshua. It was like, Moses replied, are you jealous of me, Joshua? In that context, he said, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that he would put his spirit on them. That's an amazing wish. That God is going to raise a generation of prophets, prophetic people, Powerful, powerful people, very prophetic. We know, we believe, we move, we trust. Nothing takes us by chance. And the reason why Moses had made this prayer, because he saw the capacity of God in one man, in his life. He battled and rattled against the, 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 the systems of Egypt, and he was just there. He was able to conquer them for, for forever. And he says, how I wish that every man would be like me. 
that God will raise a generation of prophets, yes. prophetic people, people that will come to know, to see, to love, and to move in God. I sense that God will be activating some spiritual gifts very shortly in this service. I wish that all of the lost children, all of the lost children are prophets and that he would put his spirit upon them. And that prayer was answered in the book of Acts chapter 1 from verse 8 when the Holy Ghost was released. It was, it was an endless possibility that every one of us without... You, you, you can do it. That's, I'm just trying to say that. It's no, Jesus, there's no different Jesus from the preacher's Jesus and the, the pastor's Jesus. And then there's another one for the bishop. But there's another, there's, another, you know, there's another Jesus for the big guys. No, it's the same Holy Ghost. And there's no female Holy Ghost either. Yeah, there's no sister Holy Ghost. It's the same that comes upon every man. And it takes charge of our lives and changes our directory because he's in charge. Yes. Yeah. We will be, we will be, we'll be re-echoing Moses' prayer in this service that God is going to raise a generation of prophetic people. Yes. yes. That we will enter into that realm of, of and the word prophetic, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you start doing all kinds of, spooky things and weird things and people are what in the prophetic is going on here um, no it's the consciousness of God and carrying God wherever you go to whenever you wherever you enter that presence of of, of the father echoed upon your life living in you and you move and live as one who believe in him Brilliant. So the service has been has changed a bit. Stay with me. Um, we're going to be praying very shortly. I sense that God's interest has um, God is really interested in doing something very amazing in the room just very shortly. And I sense that God wants to help relaunch and reactivate some dormant spiritual gift in the room just now. I also sense that God wants to heal people. There's a healing anointing in the room. Very tangible. I could feel that right now. And God is establishing us into that full reality. But do not forget where we started. We started on the journey of faith. So keep the faith alive as we pray together. In one minute, can you just just say, Jesus, come to me. It's, It's a very simple prayer. Jesus, come to me. Jesus, come to me. Lord, we desire your spirit. We desire your presence. We desire that you will have intentional access in our lives.
Yes. Wow. I wish that all of the lost children are prophets and that he will put his spirit upon them. Lord, we desire your spirit this moment. I sense that there's somebody right now that God is feeling you as I speak. There's an activation going on in your life. It's actually two people. I, I, I could see an angel walked into this room just now and he's holding, he's holding something like a light torch. And as I speak this right now, you, the, peop, the persons I'm talking about, your hands are literally vibrating right now. There's an infilling of, of God's presence. There's an infilling of God's presence taking charge over your life right now. Yes. 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 That's the hand of the Lord doing mighty things upon your life. Wow. In another minute, I just want you to make your request known to God now. Are there things that you're really concerned about and worried about and trusting the Lord about? Sicknesses and whatever the case may be. God is in the room right now and is willing to bless people. The, the band can come. We, we're going to sing our God raised. Thank you for joining us today. For information about The Junction Church, please visit thejunctionchurch.com. Have a great week.